Good morning. It is good to be with you here in this place this morning. To those who are watching online this morning, we just pray hearts of worship for you as well, wherever you are at. Um, if you will bow your hearts in prayer with me. Almighty God, we thank you for the opportunity for our words to just impact hearts right here and to impact hearts in places we don't even know. Lord, we thank you that it is your Holy Spirit that carries our words and our worship and, Lord, makes those impacts and makes them significant for your kingdom and your glory. So, Lord, I pray that for us. I do pray that our hearts are open for the movement of your Spirit within us, to reveal your truths to us. And, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Now you all are going to be a part of a healing today. As you hear me cough and struggle and choke to get things out, I am going to ask each of you to just say a little prayer under your breath, Holy Spirit help her, okay? So you're going to hear how effective this has been. That's and the disgusting tasting fisherman cough drops that somebody gave to me at the last service although very effective in what they do. Well, we've been spending some time on the Beatitudes, and to help us get our mind around the Beatitude that we are going to be talking about today, I want to show you a couple of pictures and just think about what is it that comes to your mind when you see these pictures. This is a field of dandelions. Now, people either have two thoughts with these pictures. They either see weeds or wishes. You know, they see, let me get the mower out and let me cut those things down and then let me follow up with weed killer so that they don't come back and infiltrate the rest of the beautiful green lawn that I'm trying to work at this summer. Or they think of kids running through the field and picking up one of those, making a wish on their heart and blowing it into the wind. Of course, somebody at the other services said, I think about dandelion soup, or I think about putting them on my salads. <laughs> Apparently, they're packed with a lot of nutrition. But where does your heart go when you see these pictures? Or how about this one? Do you think, oh my goodness, wet shoes, dirty socks, you better not walk on my carpet with those feet. Or do you think here is an opportunity to dance in the rain, to splash in the puddles, to let loose and just have a little bit of innocent fun? Or do you think, oh, I don't want those rains to come so it doesn't flood my property again? How about this one? <laughs> I know, you know, every mom and grandma in the crowd goes, oh, right? No. What freedom it looks like now. How much fun and joy that used to be. There is nobody who could throw me up in the air like that anymore. But what fun that is. <laughs> and how much trust there must be 
between, I, I'm gonna assume it's her father, I don't know that for sure, but how much trust has to exist within that relationship to believe, you know, he's gonna catch her. And for him to believe, I'm gonna catch her. I hope that your heart went to good things when you saw these pictures. And if it didn't, we're gonna take a little inventory today to discover why. Why is it that it seems like only kids can have such a heart of innocence and such a heart of joy in the face of whatever may come? Such resilience. Is it because we know too much? We have seen too much evil, harm. We have experienced too many injustices and wrongs done to us, or we have been the causers and the perpetrators of those harms and those wrongs. Is that why oftentimes we look at rains and we think, oh, please don't flood? You know, we look at fields of weeds and we think we got a lot of work to do. Where a kid can see such goodness within even the worst of people. Is it because they are untouched by the same evil that we have experienced in our lives? I don't think so. They're not untouched by it, but they are unstained and untainted by it, at least for a little while. They feel the hurt that can be done, but yet there is a resilience within their hearts to be able to see the good in even the most difficult of circumstances. Have we lost the ability to do the same thing? Now, I would argue for a lot of us here, we haven't. I have seen some amazing faith in some of the worst health diagnoses. I have seen some amazing faith in some of the worst news about the loss of our children. I have seen some amazing faith lived out in word and deed in this place. But yet, there is always a threat that the bad things of this world can place a cloud over our heart and lose us the ability to see God. Because that's what kids are seeing. Whenever kids see good, they see God. Whenever kids see hope, they see God. Whenever kids see love and experience joy and excitement, they are experiencing God because that is who God is. God is good. But we have this same ability, and I believe that this is why Jesus makes this one of our Beatitudes. This is why Jesus includes this in his Sermon on the Mount to those who are listening. So we are going to read where we have gone through so far to bring us up to our sermon text today. From Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So this is our last beatitude today. Blessed are the pure in heart. Not our last beatitude, but the one we're going to focus on today. 
You know, I don't believe for a moment that when Jesus got up on the mountain, he just decided to be all willy-nilly about what he said. I don't believe that he just, you know, like a lot of preachers do, and I'm guilty of it, get up and just start listing things off one after another without any idea of the order in which he is putting them. I believe that he knew full well what he was saying and the order in which he was saying them. So for blessed are the pure in heart to come after last week's blessed are the merciful, I believe was very intentional. We said that when Jesus had made this statement, blessed are the merciful, he understood that there was a reason for mercy to have to exist. That there was something bad that did happen in a person's life for them to have to show mercy. But that is really hard to do and really difficult to do. I believe that this week, well, it wouldn't have been week by week. It would have been statement right after another. But I believe he follows that up by, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Because those who are merciful, they have an ability to see God. <coughs> Just be grateful <coughs> that I learned to turn my mic off before coughing into it. <coughs> So I believe that in order to show mercy, there has to be this sense of pureness and cleanness within the heart. There has to be ability to be able to see God within even the hardest of circumstances. I believe it is very intentional that this one comes next in our line. Now, like I said, I think some of us have this down pretty well. I think there are just those people who you know they really do have a good, clean heart. But then there are those of us who have to work a little harder at it. So I have a question for you. <clears throat> do you want to see God? See your hands. Do you want to see God? You know, I have to admit that I waver on this sometimes. It depends on where I'm at in my life, on if I want to see God or not. Am I doing something that God would be like, oh, Hannah, you really messed that one up? Because in that case, I don't want to see God in those moments. But am I living into who God has called me to be? Then of course I want to see God. But truthfully, deep down in, we all have this desire to see the one who created us, the one who loves us, the one who gave his son for us. We all have this desire right, to see God. And the good news that we are going to look at today is that we all have this ability. We all have this great ability. It is not just reserved for kids. It is not just reserved for those who were just born with this sense of goodness. But we all, no matter what we have experienced, no matter what we have gone through, no matter what is to come, we all have the ability to clean up our hearts and to see God's goodness, even in the midst of some of the worst circumstances. You know, this is one of the greatest questions that people struggle with. It's this idea of suffering. In seminary, we called it theodicy, the idea of how can God allow good things to happen to bad people? 
And you know, whenever we are asking that question, where is God at work when there is evil things happening? Whenever somebody asks that question, the truth is, I don't have an answer for you. The truth is, I don't have an answer for you that is going to satisfy the hurt that you are feeling in your hearts. But I do believe that Jesus has an answer that gives you the ability to see where God is at work. It might not answer the question why, but it could answer the question where. Where is God? God is in the hot meal that was cooked for your family as you have been in the hospital. God was in the onslaught of cards and calls asking how you are doing and if everything is okay after losing a loved one. You know, God is in even the most tragic circumstances, in those who surround and support one another and in those who love each other. And God is present while those things are going on, weeping just weeping and full of sorrow for the evil that has taken place. God is there. And when we master the ability to clean ourselves up, we will be able to see and experience that truth. So how do we do this? Marino Morikawa is a Japanese Peruvian man who is going to help us understand how to clean up our hearts, how to clean up our lives. You know, whenever the Greek word here for heart was used, it could mean the literal heart, but we know that when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about like the center of our being, like where our feelings and emotions come from, where our thought patterns are formed and, and where our actions pour out of. We know that that's what we're talking about when we say the heart. We say our heart is broken. It's not actually broken, but it might feel that way. Or our heart feels so happy. Heart doesn't actually feel that, but, but we feel that. So we're, that's what we're referencing. So how do we clean up our lives? Marina Morikawa came up with this system, nano-bubbling system and a biological filter. Does anybody recognize these two words? Look, I am really hoping, like if you do, it's okay to raise your hand here. I am really hoping that somebody understands these two words so that I can talk to you afterwards to make sure that as I'm talking online, I'm not completely stupid at what I'm saying. So these two systems he came up with because his father called him in 2010 and said, you know that lake we used to fish in? And he's like, oh yeah, that one that I used to walk through the wetlands and throw the stones at the birds. Now he said, he does not condone that. And he was a mischievous little child and he has since grown up, especially now that he's an environmentalist scientist. But he said his father was so saddened because that wetlands and that lake had completely been devastated by illegal dumping of waste. And not only were the lake and the wetlands completely destroyed by the harmful substances that were entered into it, but it destroyed the entire ecosystem that existed all around it. 
that all of the animals and all of, all of the plant life and everything that was naturally there had either died off or moved away. And new migratory birds came into the area, bringing with it different diseases and different kind of chemicals and makeups, and it just changed everything. Even the village, which you'll see here in a minute in the background, even the village lost some of its livelihood and its life because of the harmful waste that was being poured into this body of water. And so Marina Morikawa came up with these two systems in order to clean up his childhood lake. Now the nanobubbling system, the best that I can explain it, <clears throat> because my brother is a lot smarter than I am, at least in this way, and I called him up and asked him what it was, and you think about those little tiny bubbles that in your, are in your carbonated beverages. Well, it's like a whole bunch of tiny bubbles that you can't see that to the, from the naked human eye. A whole bunch of tiny little bubbles that work to separate the good stuff from the bad. And then once it's been separated, it encapsulates those, the bad organisms and then the biological filter is applied to wash them out and to get rid of them. So this was the lake. This was the lake, the lake and the wetlands. And not only was it just so dirty and devastated, but it smelled really bad also for miles around. He was able to, once he applied those two systems to the lake, to turn it into this. Yeah, yeah that's pretty amazing. In 15 days, those systems began to work. And in four months, in four months, he completely changed not just the lake and the wetlands, but the entire ecosystem that was present there. That's amazing. What can happen when we apply some very effective systems to a living organism? It's amazing that it can be cleaned up and changed so significantly that not only does it impact the body itself, but it impacts the systems around it. It's amazing that the same thing can be done in our hearts and in our lives. When we apply the appropriate systems to them, we too can be cleaned up, no matter what you have experienced or what you have gone through. You can be cleaned up in order to have a pure, clean heart in order to see God. So let's apply those systems to our life. We're not going to call them the nano-bubbling system or the biological filter, but we're going to call them the freeing system and the filtering system. So the freeing system Let's understand what this means, what this looks like. <coughs> the freeing system. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, <clears throat> verses 19 through 23 to help us understand this. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in a full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. He who has promised is faithful. He who has promised is good. And we know and we can say these things because we have seen them happen. We have seen and experienced his own faithfulness in our lives, yet we sometimes forget. And that evil conscience, it sneaks back in and it leaves us dirty like a wasteland once again. But this doesn't have to be the story that claims us. What we see from this text in Hebrews, I imagine it to be like the person who walks around with their head down. We all know those people who don't look up at anybody as they're walking, who don't say hi to people that they don't know, who only stick within their own context where they are comfortable at. What I see happening here is a head lifting. I see confidence gaining. When we understand this truth, I see us gaining a sense of identity and understanding in who we are. And when we gain that, we gain confidence and respect for ourselves and respect for others. That word pure, I love one of the other Greek meanings for it. When it says, blessed are the pure in heart, it also means those who are unstained by guilt. Let's talk about this guilt for a moment. Guilt, though, can have negative consequences if it really leaves a lasting impact on our lives and is not something we can get rid of. Guilt can actually be a positive thing in the sense that Think about those who sin. There are people who sin who do not feel any sense of conviction. There are people who sin who don't realize that that's what they have done, who that's not the way that they think. They don't feel like they've done anything wrong. And then there are people who sin who have a great sense of conviction, who feel like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just did that. That is something that we should be grateful for. When we feel this sense of conviction and the guilt that follows, we should praise God because that means that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. That means that God has his hands upon us and wants to see us be made clean. And that is a good thing. So guilt can work to effectively bring us to this awareness, can effectively work to bring us to the understanding and the ability to see God at work in our lives. But pure means to be unstained by guilt, not untouched by it, but unstained. That means the guilt also does not claim us. That means the guilt does not leave a lasting impact on our lives like a stain does. When you wear a stain, people can tell what you've had for breakfast, right? Just like when you walk around wearing guilt, oftentimes people understand that you have done something wrong, but to be unstained by it means that it doesn't become an identifying marker of our lives. And we are unstained by that guilt because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
because the blood of Jesus Christ is pure and good and has washed over us and has made us clean. So we do not have to walk our days full of guilt because that guilt and the ransom for our lives has already been paid. Our debt has already been paid. And this sets us free. When we understand this truth, this sets us free. And it has the effect of capturing all of the wrong in our lives. It has the effect of capturing, you know, the harm and the evil and the bitterness and the grudges that we hang on to and the sense of vengeance that we're going to pay them back. It has the effect of capturing our pride and our jealousy. You see, that's one of those lists that pastors just like to throw off, hoping something will stick there. It just has this ability to capture those things. But what happens once you capture them? You see, we're beginning to clean up the heart. We're beginning to clean up the life because we have this awareness of the separation between good and between bad. You know, Jesus, when he talked about this sermon, when he went through all of the Beatitudes, he had a full, a full awareness of Jewish law. And in the temples, the places of worship where people would go to, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And it was in the most inner court. And only the high priest could go into there. And in the Holy of Holies housed the Ark of the Covenant, which was seen as the embodiment of God. And so only those who have been cleansed, there were some pretty significant cleansing rituals that priests had to go to in order to enter into this most inner room. And only they could do it. The common folks, we weren't allowed to approach God. But now, because of the confidence we have through Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice that he has made on the cross. We have the ability to see God face to face, not just when we die, but when we're sitting in our bedrooms, when we're weeping over a heartbreak. We have the ability to see God. It has been made possible for us. So now that all of the bad stuff is captured up, so now that we begin to see things a little bit more clearly, clearly, we have to be careful that it doesn't just stay there because it can still make things a little bit cloudy. But we have to be careful that we are able to let go and get rid of. We are able to flesh our system out of the harm that presently exists. And we do that through the filtering system. We're going to read James chapter 3, verses 13 to 17 to understand how this filtering system should look in our lives. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and fast to the truth and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. 
For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, saying one thing and doing another. Wisdom. It is the wisdom from above that we should be filtering our thoughts and our actions through. I want you to think about where you gain your wisdom and understanding from in life. I want you to think about all of the external stimuli that you feed yourself up with. You know, whenever you feel like you just need to rest, I know a lot of times we might just find ourselves binge watching shows on the TV. You know, oftentimes we don't realize the impact that this can have on us. For instance, music. Whenever you are driving down the road, <coughs> whenever you are driving down the road and a fast song comes on, and all of a sudden you look down at your speedometer, you're going 20 miles per hour over the speed limit. And you think, how did that happen? We don't fully always understand the way that outside stimuli impact our behaviors and our thoughts. Ladies, I know that this happens because I've been guilty of it. Read romance novels, one after another after another, and then pretty soon you start looking at your partners, your boyfriends, your husbands in a different way thinking, oh man, why can't they be a little bit more like that? Why doesn't my husband ever get me flowers, right? We don't understand the way that those external stimuli have an impact upon our relationships. Now, don't, don't come at me quite yet for this, but does anybody here watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, I know, I should have told you don't raise your hands before I said this. <clears throat> I watched one episode of Game of Thrones, and I couldn't do it. The violence and the sexual violence that was in that show was too much for me to handle. And somebody said one time, oh, don't worry, you'll get used to it. That is not something that we should be getting used to. We don't realize the impact, the harmful impact that things like that can have on our lives and in our relationships with one another, or the way that we view women, or the way that we view men, or the way that we view relationships, right? Now, I'm not somebody who's going to stand up here and say, don't listen to secular music, don't watch any secular TV. You understand your own faith maturity and what you can and cannot handle. But maybe if you are losing the ability to handle your spouse, or if you are losing the ability to handle your work at life, or you are losing the ability to handle your children and your patience with them, take a look at what you're filling your life up with. Take a look at the external stimuli, the impacts that they might be having upon you. Where are you filtering? What wisdom are you filtering your behaviors and your thoughts through? Take a look at that. We have wisdom from above that gives us the ability 
to not just live a life that can be full of joy and goodness, but to be able to get rid of the harm that presently exists. We have wisdom from above that gives us the ability to engage the world around us, our own ecosystem, in a way that is life-giving. And listen, if there is a month that goes by where one of your pastors, myself, or Pastor David, or Pastor Barbara, or Tom, that we stand up here and we don't say, are you reading your Bible? Please tell us about that. Because this is one of the greatest ways that we can access that wisdom from above. Read the scripture. Read the words. It is all right there with you, all right there for you. Now, I understand that sometimes <clears throat> reading the Bible can be tricky. That's why we have a Bible for Idiots class that is being led for us right now. It can be tricky. It is not always black and white and clear in our understanding. But that's why we also have some really good growth group leaders, why you have some good pastors who are willing to talk with you, who are willing to help you understand what you think about a particular passage or text, who are willing to give some insight into the wisdom of God. Maybe we might not know the answers, but we will help you try to get there. Access that wisdom in whatever means you can. Maybe driving, or listen to worship music. And I, I, I'm not going to say that God can't speak to you through secular music. I've had some great songs come on that have led me to thinking of God that were not necessarily Christian in their intent. I'm not going to say that God can't talk to you through some unfavorable TV programs. I believe that God can do whatever God chooses and wants to do. That God will meet you right where you are at. And if that's where he has to meet you in a terrible scene to open your eyes to what goodness could be, then that's where God will meet you at. I won't put what he can and cannot do inside of a box, but know yourself and your limits. Know the harm. Think about the impact that it might be having on you, on your children, and on the lives around you. And don't tap into that. Tap into the wisdom from above. We have the ability to be able to see God. And we need that. We desperately need to see God in our lives. Because it would be nice if we could set a goal and we could just go straight for it. But we know that it doesn't work that way. We know that there are many obstacles along the way. Right? We know that there are many things that are going to get in the way. We know that there are many excuse me, evils and harms that are going to arise to try to thwart us off of the right path. But we also know that in the valley and on the mountaintop and under the rain clouds that God is there. And God chooses not to save us from experiencing these harms so that we can understand we need God. We need God. Those people who have the greatest faith are the people who have needed it in their lives, who have had a true reason to experience it, who have not relied upon themselves or their power, but upon the goodness of God. This is how life is going to be. Jesus acknowledges things are going to happen. But you do have the ability to see God.
It's not just reserved for little kids in the most innocent of heart. You have the ability to see God because you do know better. You know the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. You know that you no longer have to live as a slave to sin and death, but you have been set free to live into the goodness of life as God intended it for you. So I want you to hear that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we do thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, that you have saved us over and over and over again. Lord, that you have made it possible for us to see you. Lord, that you don't just give us these blessings and then hide them away, but that you give us a way to access them and to achieve them. You give us a way, Lord, in the midst of the evil of this world and why bad things happen. You give us the ability to be able to see you. And when we see you, we see goodness and love. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you have made that possible. Help us. Help us day by day to navigate these two systems, to free us up and to filter out the evil, and to fill us up with your good. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.